Kate, Mary! You binge watch your average Netflix show and you just want to talk to someone about it. We need to talk to someone we about Louise. We need to Louis. talk to someone about Louise. <laughs> Hello! You are in the wagon with Mary and Kate this week and... Look, I think everyone knows we love coming to you guys every week and recapping Bluey episodes, but uh, Kate, you're probably with me on this. It's getting to hear a bit about behind the scenes of Bluey that is the most exciting thing. So really excited to have in the wagon today the creator of Bluey, Joe Brum. Thanks so much for joining us, Joe. No worries, Mary and Kate. Good to see you. So good to see you too. It's been ages since we caught up last. Yeah, yeah. We were in the new building, weren't we? Season two, I think. Uh, yeah, I think you might have been working on season two, but we certainly hadn't seen any of it. And it was only this time last year that you were kind of putting the first half of season two out into the world, which included flat pack and sleepy time. And everyone knows how life has changed since seeing those episodes. So did it ever occur to you at the time that, you know, this could be the end of Bluey because you could just never top that <laughs> level of perfection. <laughs> uh, yeah, they certainly, I mean, Flatpak's probably one of my favourite apps and Sleepy Time I love. And the animatic screening of Sleepy Time was, was a real high point, showing that to the crew for the first time. Um, ja- Jasmine did a really beautiful board. And, and I remember at the time thinking, well, this is probably, this is probably the tightest script I can write. Uh, but we were contracted to make more, so <laughs> I had to make more. Um, I guess the way I look at it is I'm not going to try and, you know, do another sleepy time or another flat pack. I, I look at Bluey, you know, I have to look at Bluey as a whole. However many episodes I do by the time it finishes, it, it's a whole to me. Some apps are this sort of app, some apps are that. So if there's only one sleepy time of like that sort of episode, then then that's that's fine with me. But Flatpak, Flatpak is sort of my new favourite episode, um, and yeah, I love it. And I, I'm just I'm not going to try to to do another sort of app like that, but I'm glad that those two apps that I got the chance to make them. Well, the follow up to that question: Have you put a Flatpak together since making <laughs> Flatpak, and was it a religious experience? <laughs> It never is. Only, <laughs> only in cartoon form does it does it take flight like that. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. No, it, it was a lot of fun, that app. It was, both of them were, were very technically challenging. Sleepy Time in particular just, you know, I think everyone um, everyone sort of knew that it could be one of, like one of the best apps that we'd made and, and everyone, it just, the amount of resources and dedication into that app within the normal schedule it, it just doubled you know everyone just threw so much at it and and I, that really shows and yeah it meant a lot to me that the script that I, that I really loved then the crew really loved and just went overboard on you know, it was great mom i want to do a big girl sleep tonight and wake up in my own bed you do your best honey but remember i'm always here if you need me okay Three dreams. Ah. 
Well, one of the things I love about that so much is the music, which Joff said that you were the driving force behind Holst the Planets. Tell us a little bit about that decision and like what was that light bulb moment? Yeah, it wasn't so much a light bulb, but it just slowly, you know, I was listening to I was listening to a lot of music in the car on the way to work and and I started listening to the Planet Suite and you know, the Jupiter part it was you know, it's always been around in sort of pop culture I guess you'd say so I was just listening to it as I was uh was I writing the script or or maybe maybe we'd started the animatic and it just you know it was just such a beautiful piece of music really I mean I know I don't need to tell you that but it just was fitting in my head the in particular the kind of scenes around um bingo approaching the sun And yeah, just a couple of car trips to work, um, listening to it. I just thought, look, that's that's the music. Like it's just got to be, that's sort of made for this little story. And then Joff, um, who was it, Dave Barber, I think, and Joff just did this beautiful arrangement of it. And you know, look, that that episode was just it's just a number of things falling in a line, falling in a place, and the music was just was just one of them. Um. So it's 18 months since we last caught up and, like, obviously Bluey has dominated our lives somewhat since then, <laughs> but, um, but lives across the globe. Outside of actually making the thing, have you had any, what have been your top kind of, wow, this this has gone next level moments? Yeah, a lot of, I like the ones from the other, from other people, in, particularly in the studio. Uh, like, we get a lot of celebrities and, you know, people with public profiles who suddenly really into the show and I don't know who a lot of them are I know the actors and stuff but it's when someone from the studio comes in and for example um one of our VFX animators Frankie is right into his his wrestling and and I'm not up with wrestling but one day there's there's a wrestler called The Edge and he must have been tweeting that he loves isn't he new too <laughs> and Frankie was like, "Man, I was, um, I, you know, I was sick to my stomach, and I had these butterflies, and it was just the biggest news for this dude ever, you know." And so, little things like that, seeing it through other people's eyes, but probably the one that hit me the most uh, squarely was sitting in the audience for the opening of the play, probably four months ago. I think it was last. I can't even remember what it was, towards the end of last year. And just seeing, you know, as the play started, seeing all these people, these parents with their kids and just sensing the kind of excitement was, it was a real moment of, wow, this, you know, this thing's gotten out of hand. You know, they're, <laughs> they're building giant puppets. We're in this theatre. Uh, I, I guess it was, you know, we make this show and there's an audience, but we never see that audience. But this was this situation where it's like oh this is our audience and okay this isn't the cartoon up there but it's it's still bluey and just sharing you know you were just like it was like a ride-along to see people how they're reacting to our show 
And yeah, it, it, that was probably the most recent and sort of salient moment of like, wow, this thing's gone big. Well, on behalf of every parent in Melbourne, we want to thank you for getting us through 2020 because, yeah, lockdown was terrible and I reckon, you know, adding a couple of snacks and Bluey had us sorted pretty much for most of the day, especially when those new episodes were coming out. So it does actually mean more, I think, to a lot of us because of that. Um, Yeah, it was a really curious timing, wasn't it, last year? I mean, Melbourne in particular did tough, um, but that first... I guess it was last March when, when all of Australia went into that lockdown. That was right when we released that second season, you know, just fortuitously. And, and yeah, like, look, I've been an animator for 20 years, I suppose, and, and I'm really proud of Bluey and I'm proud of all the things I've worked on. But last year was the first time, and this isn't meant to be self-deprecating, like, but it was the first time I'd actually felt useful as an animator. You know, it was like rather than just entertainment, it was like Louis was something which for some people did provide a little bit of routine and normality in that that March, you know, that, that real weird little period of last year, which extended quite um, quite beyond its welcome for you guys. Um, yep. So, yeah, it, that, was a, that was a good feeling. It was like, wow, you know, we've made this show that's, that's entertainment, but it's actually – you know, it, it's of use now. You know, it was great. I will De- can absolutely vouch for that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, we know that you plant so many pop culture moments in Bluey, um, Joe, and we know that there are so many fans out there who absolutely love spotting them. But have there been any where you've just been like, isn't anyone going to mention this? Like, what have we all missed? Have, have you been planting Easter eggs that have just gone over our heads? <laughs> well, probably. The episode Rug Island is just like I, I'm obsessed with the movie um, The Thin Red Line, the, the Malik. Oh, movie, okay. Line. And Rug Island was just my kids' version of telling uh, the, the character DeWitt, you know, in that film, his kind of journey. It was just that was my my little repackaging of, of his storyline in The Thin Red Line, which, which no doubt. We'd go over everyone. Whoosh. <laughs> <laughs> so, we might have to recap, re-recap. I think I might need to watch the <laughs> thing yeah, red line yeah. first. <laughs> uh, but it, it was really like, you know, if nothing else, I would say it's the first kids preschool cartoon episode based on the thin red line. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully you're setting a standard and there'll be so many more to come. Right? Yeah, well, there's a few coming up in season three. I'm trying to get a bit of gross point blank in there. Um, okay. You know, it's tricky. Like, I don't want Bluey's not really, uh, you know, my thing isn't to just do overt movie references that, that just the kids have no idea about. Um, but if there's a way some, that we can get it, often you just want a good, shot structure and and we're you know a good camera angle and and you just find you have to pinch that from a really seminal film moment but uh i try my best anyway to make sure that they they're not just gratuitous kind of like winks at the parents but they they have a little place in the, the sort of film yeah and i bet i like some of the little there's a few more indiana jones references of course coming up. Oh, now that i can get behind 100 percent yeah <laughs> very happy making if you could just uh email us the full list of films we have to watch before season three comes out that would be very useful for our purposes thank you Joe. <laughs> great 
Um, okay, speaking of movies, the last time you spoke to us, you mentioned there were a few more characters you wanted to introduce before a potential eventual Bluey movie. Um, was that Rad and Frisky? And now we've met them. How close is the movie? <laughs> Not very close, I'm afraid. Uh, but, yeah, the movie, that sort of got out of hand a little bit. Um, the Rad and Frisky were the, yeah, definitely, that the double babysitter episode when there was there was a brief idea of making a movie um, I thought could have been a good um, a, a good basis for that. I think the last, very swiftly after bringing the movie idea up, it was sort of decided that it's not the right age group for feature uh, films. Do they not know how yep. many adults love Bluey? <laughs> I would sit through a feature film. <laughs> uh, well, might, might need a, a picture of myself. Okay, right. So, well, well, if if the movie isn't um, on the imminent horizon and we're not going to get these questions answered, then we'll just have to ask you, like, has a wedding happened off camera or, like, not that we're judging either way, but we really do need to know where Rad and Frisky are at, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, I think um, <laughs> I would can I just answer season three? Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, no, I would say no. A wedding hasn't happened between Rad and Frisky. But uh, I think um, Christmas Swim, yeah, the idea is that the relationship started, maybe they're engaged. And I love the idea of, of caricaturing an Australian wedding, you know, or just showing <laughs> an Australian wedding from a kid's point of view. It's a real challenge, but that's, I'd like to try that. Man, this princess is hard to rescue. <laughs> well, while the prince figures it all out, she grabs a nice book and lives happily ever after. The end. What? That is not the end. In mum and dad's stories, they get married in the end. Um, are we going to see Bob at the wedding, though? We haven't seen him in a little while. Is there any news? Um, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that's, that's, yeah, I'm... I'm sort of, I've almost finished all the writing mm-hmm. and Bob is on my mind <laughs> for the for the last bits of the writing. It's just like he wasn't at Christmas, you know, like you can understand maybe he was, he sort of hasn't been around in the, the manner episodes, <laughs> but why would he miss Christmas? But I know why. And uh, yeah, season three. Okay, right. There's... I'm guessing that I'm is guessing very unsatisfying answer. Friend, like maybe he doesn't has his own family. No, okay. Well, he, no, he's he's Bandit's dad. Um, a lot of these things, a lot of these things come down to, you know, seven minute episodes. If you've if you've got a story and a character's not needed for that story, seven minutes doesn't provide you the time to just show them. Yeah, proof of life, exactly. It's um it's a similar thing with the with muffin, you know, they're not muffin, socks, socks. being missing, yeah. you know, in a few apps. It's like look, seven minutes it's you you can't bring some spare character that doesn't have any plot function in and you then you don't even have time to say, Oh well everyone, this is where socks is and this is where grandpa Bob is, you know. It's it's <laughs> I spend at least three hours. I do the first pass of an automatic, and it's usually at eight minutes. Sometimes it's eight twenty, and then I spend the next thing just pulling all these bits that I don't want to pull out out to get it down to seven. And anything superfluous just has to go. 
And um, so, yeah, that's probably for old Bandit's dad, Bob, and socks ended up on the cutting floor. <laughs> but I'll gather all those little bits up and I'll staple them together for a very satisfying conclusion. Hopefully. Sounds excellent. <laughs> Okay. I feel, I feel like we're relief, hostage but... negotiators. Like, can you prove that they're still alive? <laughs> well, actually, I can. Yeah, you will see. I, I can promise you we've, because we've storyboarded an episode with Bob in it. Okay, great. great. It's good to know there's some still some go in the in the old boy. Um, that is hilarious. Um, but I guess with time frames, like, and you talked about socks there as well, kind of going missing. Are you listening to that kind of commentary, like looking for characters and kind of trying to respond to it, or there's just not really room within uh, the uh, like the episode creation? Bits and pieces. I mean, we have a fair bit of the commentary ourselves within the studio. Just like, oh man, are we going? Are people going to wonder where socks is? Like. And then we, we just, as long as we can come up with a, a decent enough uh, explanation, like, well, you know, when you've got two kids and one of them's quite young, that kid might be X and, you know, you tend to do play dates. So as long as we can come up with a plausible enough solution, we hope that the audience will, will come up with their own plausible enough conclusion. <laughs> um, Grandpa Bob, he was a tricky one because, you know, I wanted a character based on my dad and... But also I wanted to show some of Chili's family. So I kind of decided, you know what, all these the stories that I wanted to get out about my dad, um, I decided to switch him over to Chili's dad, which kind of left Grandpa Bob, uh, you know, in the lurch a little bit. But it, So then whenever I had a real a story, and there wasn't many of them, but a story where I wanted to, um, sort of show a bit of my, my actual dad's character, I would, you know, we had granddad. Then. I think it's time I had a rest. Why don't you kids have a swim? Yes, swim! <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to go. <laughs> Thought you. I knew you would. And that's continued a little bit in season three, but there is now a place for, for Grandpa Bob to come back. So, yeah, that, that was a kind of – that's why you haven't seen Bob a great deal. Am I right in thinking that your actual dad is now voicing one of the characters as well? He voiced someone in Road Trip? Oh, yeah, he was he was one of the grey nomads at the end uh, the, at the Big Peanut. Yeah. And that was my auntie along with him, his sister. It's a pretty big peanut, isn't it? Yes, Great Nomad, it is. Would you like a big peanut sticker? I've got a spare one. Oh, yes, please. So now you've, you've written for Stage with Blue's Big Play. You're in the middle of writing for season three. How, how's it all going? Are you, are you going to write for more plays? Uh, is this sort of the direction you want to go just with the episodes? What, what's happening there? Well, in terms of the play, that is, that's a one-off. For now, anyway, I mean that that will tour, I think, for a number of years. That that's actually sort of an outside um, production. So the BBC are involved, but it's a it's a separate company run by Andrew Kay. So that and the show are quite separate. Yeah, writing it. Would I write another one? Yeah, you know, I, I feel like I'd probably write a much better one now that I've seen it. It was really like writing something in the dark to a certain extent because I, I'd never never written anything that long. I'd never written anything 
for a play. I was writing it as if we would have full control over the characters and they could move at the speed and, you know, all that that we can in animation. But so I, I had to sort of deprogram myself a bit there and try and write it for the stage. We couldn't, I knew we wouldn't be able to do as many set changes and things like that. So it was a real, um, yeah, it was, it was, it took a lot of focus and concentration just to sort of write that in a way that I knew it would be practical. But, you know, th- those guys, they did a pretty amazing job. And, and look, I really enjoyed it. I'm not saying it was a perfect script, but, you know, sitting through it and just seeing the kids around me really, it was a really beautiful experience is the only thing I can say. And, and just because of the kids, like the kids in the audience were just, you realise how much they just buy into it, you know. And, and so, yeah, I, I think that will probably be it for now. Um, but I feel like if I did write another one, I could. I'd learn a. I'd learn a hell of a lot from seeing that first one and what's possible and the pace things move at. But in terms of season three, um, tomorrow the last team of VFX will start, and which means we're at a full studio. You know, they're the end of the train. The beginning of the train was was probably last October. I think they started making animatics, so we're probably about fourteen animatics in. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really feeling really good. we got some new faces and I don't know, it's just feeling the best it's felt. Everyone's just quite really good at their jobs. We're not in a bloody lockdown, which helps. Uh, you know, we're all in the studio. It's just, and I'm really enjoying the scripts and the automatics. So yeah, knock on wood, it's, it's all coming along nicely. I'm really enjoying myself actually. That's awesome. Um, are you still writing one a week? Is that like are you just going to be doing that for the rest of ever? <laughs> well, this time uh, season two finished, or well, the main bulk of season two finished about halfway through last year, and I just I got a little bit of help with the usual sort of stuff I would do, you know, to the tail end of these apps, just little animation corrections and stuff. So I was getting some help for that. Thank you, Kiara, and so it just freed me up to write. So. I've been writing pretty solidly, at least working on three or four scripts a week for the last six months. Um, so I'm I'm done with all the scripts. There's one, there's one left, and a few. There's about three which I'm just sort of helping other people with. But there's forty, whatever that is, forty five scripts that I've written and second, third drafted. So it's a really rare situation. Like you know, we've we've essentially just started the real bulk of production and I'm not having to, to write alongside it. I, we know what's coming up. We can order the apps in a way that, that there's a good ebb and flow for each department and this is another reason why it's feeling quite good. And, yeah, I'm just quite excited because I know I know what's coming up. And But, yeah, it's a real relief. But, yeah, it was a, it was a full-on six, seven months. I, was just, I just wrote <laughs> just every day. And had three or four apps on the go each each week. That is unbelievably productive. <laughs> Do you have a favourite part of that process, then, Joe? Well, in terms of the writing process, I love the bit right after I've actually had an idea. All the bit before that kind of sucks because you don't know where you're going to get an idea. <laughs> it's quite stressful. But then when you get an idea, and it's all the other ideas start rolling out of that, I really enjoy that. Then everything after that with the script, 
sucks again because it's like the work starts. You got to ride it, and you know, and the hard work wins. But that little floaty bit in between where it all just starts coming out. Uh, you can do this. You can do that. That's that's the fun bit of script writing for me. My my favorite part of the whole production is I have to say um, it's a bit of a cheat answer, but the Friday screenings, which we do, you know, every Friday where we we show the animatic and the first draft animation and a final animation and sometimes art direction and a bit of backgrounds to the crew and friends and family. Um, I think that's my favourite part and it's kind of the heartbeat of the studio. I hate it when, when I miss, sometimes I miss it and I hate it. But, you know, in a way I do count it as part of the production schedule because we do do it. It's as regular as any other thing. And it, does, it serves a number of purposes. You know, the poor old storyboarders, their job is just for their, all their beautiful work just to get coloured over and never to be seen again. So it's really nice just showing the animatics and showing their boards to the to the crew and it's good for me. I get that feedback. You know, something like Sleepy Time, as I mentioned, they're just my best memories of, of working on Bluey because you can just see, you know, all, all these animators just really getting fired up for what's to come and and the work you know really enjoying the work that the other teams have done and then you all just have a few drinks afterwards because it's quite hard work during the week so yeah look that's my that's my favorite part of it and and i do miss it and we missed it during lockdown we we tried to zoom it but you know it, it was a real loss i suppose like we we really worked you know the team really coped with working from home really well um, but that was something which, which was which I felt a real loss. It's been lovely seeing some of those animatics and things pop up on the socials as well. So you know the rest of the world can see them, not just that Friday screening, and yeah. you know your team obviously. Um, they're coming out on the on the Bluey profile, and you can tell, yeah, just how excited the Ludo team is to see them kind of coming to light as well, which yeah, is cool. I because think I, I was thinking about it, they do. The poor old storyboarders, their work was like etched, sketched away, you know, but it's so it's so important to the process. It is such an amazing thing to think that you guys did those episodes of Bluey, which have been so well received globally at home in a pandemic with kids and dogs and everything running underfoot and apart from each other as well. I hope you're really proud of that achievement. It's amazing. Yeah, I'm super proud of that. I'm I'm proud of the team. I'm particularly proud of, like, you know, of our leaders, really, like when all that kicked off, Sam and Richie and Beth and Claire. um, Just It was just really good. And, you know, I I was sort of out of that process a little bit, but, um, it was just great seeing them go into like Winston Churchill in the war rooms mode, you know, and what are we going to do? Like, you know, we had animators who uh, their internet was tethered to mobile phones, you know. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, no, no. Ash, who was, it was a backpacker, you know, and she's going, look, my phone's heating up and I can't touch it. So, you know. And, <laughs> so, Brutal. Yeah, there was so many, oh, gosh, some of the stories. You know, even now, Richie, when he flew back from New Zealand to start season three, he had to sleep on a bench outside Sydney Airport so that he wouldn't technically leave the airport. It's like, I don't know, like everyone, there's a thousand little intricate stories with it all. But, um, you know, yeah, the show was an achievement. I, I'm really proud of it. But, God, the way, it, the way it 
weathered that pandemic was was amazing. These things happen, honey. I'll tell you what I do. Bluey, checklist. Oh, okay. I have a little cry. Check. Then I pick myself up. Check. Dust myself off. Check. And keep going. The show must go on. Woo! I just want to circle back on that story about Rich. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So Richie I've known since Charlie and Lola days. Richie and, and Mark, and, and they're both Kiwis. And um, so Richie's directing and he went back home um, after season two to see his family, obviously, and spent a few months and did two weeks quarantine. And, uh, and we, he was trying to get back to start season three late last year, but he had it all sorted. He could fly to Sydney and then connect to Brisbane and he wouldn't have to quarantine anywhere. But the night before, I think the news, the Northern Beaches thing happened. Oh, so that was around Christmas time, wasn't it? Yeah. God. And, um, and so he got to Sydney at about 8 o'clock that night and his flight, he didn't realise, was the next morning to Brisbane. And he's like, all right, sweet, I'll just sleep in the airport here. And they go, no, mate, Sydney airport shuts like at, at 11 or 10. <laughs> You've got to get out. <laughs> and so... He was like, what am I going to do? Like, Because if, if you left the airport and went to a transit hotel, you would then have to quarantine again for two weeks um, in Brisbane. So he didn't want to do that. So he <laughs> slept on a, on a bench like right outside the airport <laughs> on his wetsuit <laughs> all night, taking photos of himself to prove it. And, uh, and then, you know, <laughs> an hour-long conversation with the police who, were, who apparently were, were amazing. And they were like, yeah, look, I think you're good. They, they let him up. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, little stories like that. We had a number of animators go down to Sydney and, and get work in between and then hire cars and drive up when the borders were threatened to close. Ah, wow. Yeah. This is all the level of commitment to Bluey that we really want to hear yeah. about. So amazing. So do I. So do I. <laughs> um, speaking of level of commitment and insane productivity, we, yeah, your wife, Susie, must deserve an MVP of her own because she's, like, running with the Bluey Books, as we understand, which, and, of course, Beach last year took out Australia's Book of the Year um, and then she popped up as well um, voicing Pom Pom's mum. Yeah, tell us about kind of her role behind the scenes and um, how you guys work that partnership as well. Yeah, so Sue's, uh, I don't think, Sue's didn't work on the beach, she, she, but she wrote um, My Dad is Awesome and there's a new one, uh, which I don't know if it's out yet, but My Mum is the Best. So Sue's, Sue's sort of took them from scratch really and, and came up with a, you know, just a bit of a unique concept for kind of a dialogue with the kids and, and they turned out really well, I thought, and she's been helping me with the Sleepy Time book as well. Um, and as well as, you know, she was, She's doing the odd storyboard and helping out with design and layout. And uh, probably, I mean, where, for me anyway, where Sue's helps the most is is um, kind of right at this, the onset of the script stage where, you know, it's just, she's just got such a good handle on, on kid brains. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like why they, why kids like this? So I'll often go, you know what, like I'm trying to write this out where, you know, the kids, you know, like, like, why does our kid do X or Y? And then she just goes, all right, well, look, this is what I've noticed and da-da-da. And she just really helps me break those stories and, and just, you know, she's really living these kids. And so she's super valuable there. And then afterwards, um, 
sort of like proofreading or just it, you know it's not a it's not a like a um, regular thing that she'll proofread a script she'll often if I leave them lying around she'll just read them and and for example uh, when I wrote baby race you know which was really trying to capture some of what Sue's went through um, that I saw her going through you know I wrote the first draft and I thought ah oh, like this is shit like you know this isn't working and, and I must have left it on the table at home. And a couple of days later, I got a text while I was at work. And it was from Sue's just saying, oh, my God, I've been crying for 15 minutes. I just read Baby Race, you know. And it's it's kind of like she's been really good just to, for a, just that reading your first draft and going, oh, yeah, no, like this is on track. Um, and all the help with, with the books and, and that sort of whole side circus of Bluey. Um, it's really great too, but yeah, it's it's kind of a lot of these little like not just the scripts, but I guess the real anything that you really recognise is true about a kid's behaviour often comes from just nutting this out with Sue's beforehand. It's a little secret to Bluey, that's for sure. Man, understanding kids that that seems like a superpower. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just, maybe the understanding's a strong word. Has has her theories? Fair enough. So, new Bluey episode coming out our way very soon will be our Easter ep. Are there any hints or anything you can tell us about what's coming up and what we can expect? Uh, look, it's one of, I love the Easter ep. It's one of my favourite apps. I, I don't know, I'm not sure you meant to admit this, but I love the National Treasure movies, the Disney ones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Actually, I don't really care. Uh, Just they're, own they're it. Good. Just own it, Joe. It's great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, they're a lot of fun and they're really well-structured. So I always I wanted to write a treasure hunt app. It, it's a lot of fun. We you know we would do quite elaborate Easter egg hunts with my kids and all the cousins, and you know they would they were always a lot of fun to watch. They would always go wrong, and you know kids would argue over eggs and stuff. But I'm sure it'll probably set the bar quite high for um, Easter egg hunts. But but um. Yeah, look, I, I hope I hope you guys enjoy it. It really is. It's very. It's a very different sort of app. It's a real treasure hunt. It's Easter. Bingo, wake up! We gotta get to the airport. Come on! It sounds super fun. And then you've you've given us a few hints. I've got to be fair on what's coming in season three. But um, anything else that you know you really want to get out there early? Any any celebrity voices possibly popping up? Um, or even just a release date, we would settle for that alone. <laughs> uh, they know the release date. I mean, we probably do the maths. Um, they tend to get shown as soon as they got twenty six uh, delivered ones, but we, we haven't even delivered one yet. So um, yeah, no, I, I I'm not across any release dates. Hopefully this year, I guess towards the end, we're, we're definitely making them as fast as we can make them. Uh, yeah, look, I, I never know, but I really like the scripts so far in season three there's fairy tale there's one called fairy tale which i think will um is sort of my favorite and but there's one about rusty really um it's one of my favorite apps to, to write and, and I, I know it's going to be amazing once the animators get their hands on it um you said in terms of celebrity voices um i'm quite keen to get uh kind of the celebrities now are just people who i nerd out over really i really love Dan Hamlin. i want to get him um yeah, there's a little role uh, for a dude knocking on the door. You know, the people who come and try and get you to switch energy. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll meet a few other. We'll meet a lot of Chili's family. Um, if you well, when you see the play, that sort of brings a new character in, and, and I'm hoping to see that character again. Um, yeah, I've tried not to. I'm not really reinventing the wheel with this season. It's it's kind of just um, games that get out of hand a little bit. Um, but no, look, I would say at this point, yeah, there's one about Rusty and one called Fairy Tale, and one there's another one with Hamish Blake in it actually, which I think as Jack's dad and Jack, which I think will will be a bit of a. Oh, brilliant! I'm excited that these characters are coming back. Yeah. Um, it's going to be great. I have to sneak a question without notice there since you brought up Rusty because uh, my husband is an army brat and uh, the episode Army just still makes him, you know, a pretty non-emotional guy, emotional. Um, that episode for you, like, are you particularly connected to Rusty? Is there, you know, something that went into that episode that isn't there for most? Well, Rusty, uh, Rusty's based on my old dog, Rusty, which was sort of the last dog that we ever had and one we had through our teenage years. You know, I, I think that's always a pretty special dog that you have, that one that you have as a teenager in your early 20s, and he was a, he was a Kelpie. Uh, yeah, that episode, um, well, see, my old man um, was, he fought in Vietnam, so it was kind of a big part of his life and then and our life, you know, but he that was a lot of fun just getting all the army lingo right by talking to him, you know, dust offs. And it's probably a bit outdated. It's from the seventies, obviously, but um, yeah, it was based on, I was reading um, Vygotsky, the child psychologist, and it was just, it was based on an experiment that he did with kids and he would find, it was called the century, the experiment. And he would find that, um, he would get these kids and say, all right, you know, list me a bunch of, um, uh, what do we say? I think he would, they would have to remember. Yeah. He'd give him a list of food stuffs. Right. And he would say, right, you've got to remember as many of these as you can. And, you know, I'm going to tell you all, you got to remember them. And then I'm going to ask you to recall them. And also you've got to stand here as still as you can for as long as you can. Right. And so the kids would invariably stand still for one minute and they would be able to recall about three of the, the food items. But then he would say, all right, you know, the kids, you're playing a game uh, of century where you've got to stand guard and guard these soldiers back here, you know, and there'd be other kids playing soldier. And the kid would stand there for an hour. And with the, the recall thing, he said, all right, you're, you know, you're playing going to the shops and, you know, someone's cooking here, you've got to go out and get the ingredients. You need X, Y, Z. And the kid would remember like 10 you know, some crazy man agreed. So it was very interesting. His theory was, look, there's something, and Vygotsky was the guy who kind of coined the early term of what we now call being in the zone. I think he called it the zone of a proximal something or other. And it, part of it was like when you're in a game, you kind of, you hit that zone where all of your resources are firing as well as they can. So I thought it was a great little... Um, sort of way to, to have a real army episode in there and kind of link in, you know, a bit of a, a bit of dad story in there. And, yeah, look, I, I love that app. I love Jack. He's a great, great voice. But, you know, look, Rusty's my favourite character of the whole series and it was like, you know what, 
I want to want to do a really good Rusty episode. He's a very good boy. We all love Rusty. <laughs> love it. Yeah. Um, Joe, that's it's been so great talking to you. Is there anything else you needed to get off your chest, or can we let you go and make all those episodes of Bluey for us? <laughs> no, I'm good. Um, no, I think there's a couple of voices coming your way soon. Actually, um, <gasps> yeah, sure. that is. Very exciting. Yeah, yeah. They're up, you know, all of the parts really are small parts. There's only a couple of new main characters. Oh, we'll take it. We'll take one word. (laughs) (laughs) We're fine with that. It's more than one word. um, Okay, two words. This is great. This is amazing. (laughs) We're already betting Mark for now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, there's more. It's more than one syllable. Um, (laughs) That was fun. It's quite fun now whenever I watch that episode and hear that yes, it's there's quite a nice little story behind it. Hey mate, you his boss? Yes. Well he's a legend. Okay, I think we have finally got to the end of this wagon ride. Joe Brum, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for Bluey. We say it a million times, but we'll We'll say say it it on behalf of all the parents, all the people everywhere. Thank you for creating something that people love so much. Uh, look, it's, it's mine and our pleasure, and thanks for watching. We will be back talking Bluey incessantly so soon, but in the meantime, Kate, been super fun. Uh, we'll catch you next week. Got to be done. Got to be done. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot to ask. Awesome. Was, was oh, that what? a shout out in Queens? Got to be done when oh. Chili says "Got to be done." <laughs> I'll say yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Definitely. Right, great. Well, okay, I'll tell you what. One of your question earlier was um, what are the moments? Yeah, I still remember Sam and Charlie were in a production meeting and we got to the end and they went, oh, by the way, there's a podcast about Blue. <laughs> I remember thinking, whoa. Mum, can you play with me? No, I have to clean the lorikeet poo off the deck. Ew. Well, it's got to be done. <laughs> <laughs>